Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. You know, I normally come out this side, but today, uh, a few weeks ago, I came out this side. And that's where our technical room is, where they do the camera switching and all that. And so in between, because they're always having to talk, we have two heavy, heavy curtains, you know, on on, uh, both sides of the entrance. And so it's just pitch black in between those two curtains. And so the last time I went through there, I was just standing there, you know, waiting on the queue to come in. And all of a sudden I hear this voice that says, Don, I'm here with you. And I had a hiccup in my heart for a second. And I said, well, that's great, God, but you sure do sound a lot like Clint Davis. <laughs> and it was Clint who was going to move the podium for me. And it was pitch black. I didn't see him in there. And he said, yeah, I saw you coming in. And I thought, you know, it would you know, it'd freak you out if I didn't say something. <laughs> you bumped into me. I said, well, I mean, I thought, okay. But anyway, when I heard that voice, immediately I thought, wow, God must really plan on doing something today. You know, he's reassuring me. He's here. But, uh, but he is here. So that's good news. We don't have to beg him to be here. We don't have to ask him to be here. He's, he's, already, he's already here. And the reason he's here is because you're here. Wherever God's people are, that's where God is. And wherever you go, God's there with you because you are his home. Uh, he lives in you. So we're glad that you're here today and those who join us online, uh, we're thankful for you. And today, I, I don't know, have you, have you ever had that special vacation? You, the, some people, they, they go to the same spot every year and just love it. And some people like to go to a different spot every year and they like the adventure. And um, Mary and I kind of like to do a little bit of both. And uh, several years back, we went to... Um, we wanted to do a big trip, so we went to northern Italy where we're just going to drive around. You know, and I always plan out the vacations. I've got things planned, but we also like the spontaneity. We like things that just happen. And we were in this small village town, and, and we were walking, and we were in the square area, and all of a sudden Mary saw this statue, and I can't remember the guy's name, but it's the guy who wrote... Um, Madam Butterfly. And Mary, of all the operas that she has played professionally, Madam Butterfly is her absolute favorite opera to play. And she said, oh, this is the guy that wrote Madam Butterfly. And then we started reading it and realized, oh, right there is his home. And, and it was a pretty good sized home and they had turned it into a museum. And so we totally didn't know it was there. And, and so it was that nice, great surprise. And we went in and there were all the original costumes from Madam Butterfly, which Mary loved looking at those. They were pretty fascinating. And then they had all his original scores and his handwriting of him writing out his different operas and uh, his different music. And it, it was just, it was amazing. It was just great. It was a great, great vacation. And we really, we really enjoyed it. And you probably have had those kind of vacations where you had some surprises and they turned out to be amazing. Um, but have you ever taken a trip called the guilt trip? Now, that's not a fun trip to go on. Um, I mean, did you like anything about that guilt trip you went on? Well, of course not. Absolutely not. Uh, in fact, 
God created a lot of things for our pleasure, and we read about that last week, but God did not create you. Listen to this very carefully. God did not create you to live with guilt. He didn't wire you that way. In fact, it is a myth to say that feeling guilty makes you more spiritual. That's a bunch of bull. That's, that's, that is nothing true about that at all. It's absolutely wrong, absolutely false. Guilt is not required for holiness. In fact, God did not design your body to handle guilt. Guilt really messes up your body. It, it messes up your mind. It messes up your relationships. Uh, guilt is a problem that creates all kinds of fears. The guy who wrote Sherlock Holmes, his name was Sir Arthur Colin Dole. And he was known as a prankster throughout England. And so he one time sent out an anonymous note to 50 prominent Englishmen in Great Britain. And all the note said was, all is found out, flee at once. And of those 50 people, within 48 hours, 25 of them left the country. Oh my goodness. I mean, they were, they, they were just carrying this load of guilt and they were afraid they were about to be found out. Well, a lot of people carry a fear that they're going to be found out. And they, they, they're just all sorts of fears we have. Fear of being rejected by people. Fear of retaliation, fear of judgment, that one day God's going to catch up with you. You remember what you did back in high school? Well, today's payday. But that's not the way God operates. The truth is this. God wants you to live guilt-free. And if you've ever wanted to get rid of your guilt, well, you picked a good Sunday to come to church. Because that's what we're going to talk about. We're, we're moving towards Easter. And uh, we've been talking about some of the things leading up to Easter. And, and so I want to pick up with the story in Luke 23, just as Jesus is going to the cross. Uh, he's been arrested. He's been up all night long with six sham trials, three Roman trials and three religious trials, none of which were legal simply because they were held at night and it was illegal to have a trial at night. He was beaten. He had been battered. He'd been scourged. Uh, they had put a crown of thorns on his head. I mean, you know, you know, when you get your hand caught in thorns and you, you know how it hurts when it just kind of catches your hand. Imagine these big thorns, this thorn, a crown of thorns just being jabbed onto his head, cutting down into his scalp. He'd been spat upon, made fun of, everything you can imagine. So now we start the story where Jesus is carrying his cross to Golgotha. It says a large crowd trailed behind including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves. Two others, and I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to the place called the skull, they, they nailed him to the cross. 
And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, now these are the very first words of Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. It's like he's saying that for you. Father, forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They they called out to him, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourselves. But Jesus was not there to save himself. He had no intention of saving himself because this is what he came to do was so that he could save you. He came to save me. He had to prove himself as God many times with miracles. He had already proven himself, but, but in three days from this, he would really prove it when he would raise from the dead. But the very first words, after so much suffering, and then the real suffering about to begin and was going to last for six hours, the very first words out of his mouth, was forgiveness. You know, this word, it's a word that you and I need to fully understand. You see, the reality is, if you understand what Jesus said, you really can spend the rest of your life guilt-free. The problem is most people walk around not understanding that. They walk around with a load of unnecessary guilt. And what do we do with that guilt? Well, we usually choose one of three options. One option is we, we try to bury it. Do you, do you try to bury your guilt? I mean, does that really work very well for you? I mean, the problem is it doesn't work. It just keeps resurrecting itself. And so you got to stop trying to bury your guilt. Your, kind of, your, your guilt is kind of like one of those old horror movies the night of the living dead, <laughs> it keeps coming back. Uh, listen to Psalms 20, uh, 32. David said, when I refused to confess my sins, I was weak. I was miserable. In other words, it was taking an emotional toll on his body. And, and, and it was great because he was carrying that guilt. And your body's never meant, was never made for carrying guilt. He said, and I groaned all day long. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. You want to know why you're fatigued all the time? Maybe it's because you're carrying a load of unnecessary guilt. David said, finally, I confess my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. He stopped trying to hide his sins. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And guess what? And he forgave me. All my guilt, all my guilt is gone. When he finally came to God and said, God, I need you to forgive me. God wiped out his guilt. And it was such a relief. 
You know, one of the things that you will never hear God say when you cry, cry out to him, oh, really? I had no idea. <laughs> he knows what you're going through and he doesn't want you to go through it. He knows the guilt that you're carrying and he wants to relieve you of it. We all have our favorite ways of burying our guilt. Uh, some of us are minimizers. Uh, we go around and say things like, oh, it's no big deal. It wasn't that important. We try to minimize the depth of our sin. Uh, or maybe we try to rationalize it. Well, everybody, everybody else that was there was doing it. I mean, all my friends do it. I mean, I've seen it so many times, but that has nothing to do with you, what other people do. God does not think about other people when he's talking to you. He thinks about you. Proverbs 28, 13. You will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Oh, you, you may have the appearance of success, but you can't enjoy it because the guilt just riddles your body. So when you're hiding something, you are investing an enormous amount of emotional energy trying to keep it hidden. Another thing that we try to do to deal with our guilt, we try to blame others. Do you, do you blame others? I, I mean, we, it's, a, it's a tactic that's as old as Adam and Eve. The very first couple, Adam sinned when he took the fruit and ate of it. And when God approached him, have you done this? And, and here's what Adam said. Yes, but it was the woman. <laughs> and not only did he want to blame Eve, he said, the woman you gave me. So who is he really blaming? He, Adam had the gall to blame God for his sin. Maybe you've done that subconsciously. Lord, if you had just, if you had just taken care of this, this would never have happened. If you had taken away the temptation, it wouldn't have been a problem. If you hadn't allowed that circumstance, it, have you ever done that? You try to blame even God? So the question is, who are you blaming for your unhappiness? Now, in case you haven't noticed, America has become a nation of victims. Have you noticed that one? I mean, everybody's a victim and nobody's responsible for their behavior. Everybody blames everybody else for every problem and nobody wants to accept responsibility. I mean, we see it with the politicians. We see it with the celebrities. I, I mean, they will say, no, no, I never did it. No, no, it didn't, wasn't me until the evidence is so overwhelming. It's kind of like they automatically say no until they cannot say no any longer because... The truth is so glaring. You know why we do this? Why we blame others? It's because we feel guilty. And the more guilt we feel, the more we want to blame others to try to get rid of that guilt. But, you know, blaming is usually a good indication that you are guilty. You're trying to justify in our minds because we can't handle the scale tipped in the wrong direction. Proverbs 19 says some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions and then blame the Lord. Uh, another thing that a lot of people do 
is they beat themselves up. Do, do you beat yourself up? Do you feel like you have to self-administer punishment? Are you subconsciously trying to deal with your guilt by hurt punishing yourself? You make yourself feel bad because of the guilt? You know, there was a recent study done by a medical team, and one doctor came to the conclusion. He, he said, I really believe that 50% of the people that are in the hospital could probably go home tomorrow if they just got rid of their guilt. He attributed to most of their physical problems to the guilt that they were carrying. I mean, guilt can cause depression. You know, every time you swallow your guilt, your stomach is keeping score and you wind up with an ulcer. And if I don't talk out my guilt to God, I take my guilt into my physical body. Psalms 38, listen to what David said and see if you can relate. My guilt has overwhelmed me. Like a load, it weighs me down. I don't even want to get up in the morning. I'm so depressed. Because I was foolish, I, I'm bent over and bowed down. I'm sad all day long. Been there, done that. Have you dealt with some sadness and you couldn't explain why? You just were sad? Maybe it's the guilt. Guilt can sabotage your success, without a doubt. Now, here's the problem about punishing yourself with guilt. Your conscience does not know when to quit. That's the problem with it. When you start punishing yourself, your conscience does not know when to stop when you've had enough. So what does Jesus want you to do with our guilt? Well, he said... He talked to the one who could do something about it. And he said, Father, forgive them. For they don't even know what they're doing. So here, here are a couple of steps. If you really want to deal with your guilt, listen to this. Number one, admit it. When you're running from guilt, it's going to catch up with you. It's going to catch up with you. Uh, you run from one relationship to another you run from one job to another. You run from one city to another. I'm telling you, your guilt's going to follow you. It's going to catch up with you. The Bible says you cannot run from yourself. Proverbs 20, 27. The Lord gave us a mind and a conscience. We cannot hide from ourselves. Hmm. 1 John 1, 8. If we claim to be without sin... The reason we say that is because we don't want to carry guilt. So we claim not to be sinners. We claim that we've never messed up. We claim that we're not a sinner. And, and because we don't want to carry the guilt. And I don't want to have regrets. I don't want to have anything to be ashamed of. So it says, if we claim to be without sin, who are we really kidding? We deceive ourselves. That's what the Bible says. And the truth is not in us. So if the truth is not in us, that means lies are in us. So when I say I've not sinned, when I say I'm not at fault, I'm filling myself up with lies. And those lies will overwhelm you. So admit it. 
Hey, let me give you a clue. God already knows, right? <laughs> I mean, he already knows. When that, that's the one thing as a kid, I always struggle with my parents. They already knew. It's kind of like when you're a little kid and your mom's made some chocolate chip cookies and they're sitting up there on the counter and, and she comes over to you and say, hey, I got a women's meeting this afternoon. Those chocolate chip cookies aren't for you, so don't you eat those chocolate chip cookies. And, you know, you're a little kid. That's like saying, have all you want. And, and so you, she comes home and, you know, some of the chocolate chip cookies are gone and she follows the crumb trail into your room and there you are with chocolate all over your face. And what does she do? She says, did you eat those chocolate chip cookies? What a dumb question. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> uh, but th that's what they do. They say, did you eat them chocolate chip cookies? And, and as a kid, you go, I don't remember eating those chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> and then they do the famous thing. Look at me. <laughs> Look at me in the eye and tell me you didn't eat those chocolate chip cookies. And we're going, I, don't make me do that. <laughs> you know, don't make me look at you. Yeah, I don't remember eating. I mean, you know, they, you know that they know and it makes it even harder. We do that with God. Adam, did you eat that fruit that I told you not to? God already knew. So if you claim to be without sin, you're only deceiving yourself. Hey, I'll, I want you to write this down. To stop defeating myself, I have to stop deceiving myself. I have to tell myself the truth. So admit it. What is it that defeats you? Worry defeats you. Envy defeats you. Bitterness defeats you. Jealousy defeats you. Guilt defeats you. Fear and anxiety and insecurity defeats you. So some of you need to do some spiritual spring cleaning. Lamentations 340 says, let us examine our ways and test them. Maybe that's what you need to do. So admit it. Number two, accept responsibility. Accept responsibility for the junk in your life. Psalms 51, David said, I recognized my faults. I am conscious of my sins. I accept responsibility. How great is that? That put him on the road to recovery right there. James 5, 16 says, admit your faults to one another. Uh, that's interesting. It says one to another, not doesn't say to God in this particular passage. It says, admit your faults to one another. Now, now, I confess to God. He already knows everything, but I confess to him. But I need some accountability with some friends. And, and so I admit to them, I'm struggling with this. And that is so, the Bible says, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So God removes the guilt but he uses our fellow Christian friends as part of the healing process. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. That's why we need each other. That's why we're important to each other. He doesn't say confess your, you know, admit your faults to each other so that you can be forgiven. It doesn't say that. 
Forgiveness comes from God. Healing comes from relationships. I mean, a true friend is somebody who loves you in spite of you. Someone who loves you and they know all the dirt, all the junk, and they still love you. That's friendship. So listen very closely to what I'm about to say. The root of most of your problems is relational. Relationship to your parents, your family you grew up in, your friends, your husband, your wife, your children, people in your life. It's all relational. And the truth is we're, we're dishonest with each other. We play games with each other. We wear masks long before they began, were mandated by the government. <laughs> you were wearing masks long before the pandemic came. You were wearing masks with your friends, with your family, maybe your spouse. You were pretending to be something you weren't and you were hiding what you really were and what you really are. There are really only two kinds of people in this world. People who are broken and sinful and they know it. And then there are people who are broken and sinful and they won't admit it. The last thing, it really is easy. Ask for forgiveness. How easy is that? One of the greatest promises in the Bible is in 1 John 1, 9. Uh, he says, if we truly admit that we have sinned, we find God utterly reliable. He forgives your sin and makes you thoroughly clean from all that is evil. Wow. I, I mean, you, you talk about doing a complete job. God does it. If we confess our sins, he does the rest. We've got the easy part. There's a right way and a wrong way to ask for forgiveness. Let me tell you the wrong way. Don't beg. You don't have to. Don't bargain. It, it doesn't work. Confession does not change the future. Confession forgives the past. Don't bribe. That'll never work. Simply Believe. Faith. Take God at his word. If you confess, he will forgive. There's great promise in Romans. I like the way the uh, living translate or the living Bible says it. It says, Yet God declares us not guilty. If we trust in Jesus Christ, who in his mercy freely takes away our sin. So, here's what Jesus does with your guilt. He forgives it instantly. He forgives it completely. He forgives it repeatedly. You needed to know that one. And he forgives 
freely. Wow. God has not made me to live with guilt. It, it creates all sorts of physical problems, emotional problems, and ultimately spiritual problems. God has made me to live guilt-free, and that's why Jesus came. That's why we get excited about Easter. That's why we actually celebrate Easter every Sunday. Because Jesus proved who he was, which proves he had the power to take away your guilt. And I, I had to come to this personally. Every time I held on to my guilt, I was really literally saying, Jesus' death was not enough. And that's... That's calling God a liar. Because he says it, it was enough. It was sufficient. So, let's decide today we're not going to go on any more guilt trips. Let's do the fun trips. Let's give it to God. And thank him for taking it. Let's pray. Let's pray.